is what I'm doing actually helping them? And we had we had many moments where we were close to closing the club because we had really? we had flood that we had the bushfires, we had the pandemic, you know, we're just coming out of the second pandemic wave. But we always knew and from all the stories that we've heard, it actually helps people and it helps us. And so it's not worth throwing the towel because it's yeah, it's something great that helps people. Welcome to the Community and Tribe Building Podcast. Today I'm delighted to have Don. So Ori is a full-time marketing specialist and he is a co-founder of the 530 Club movement. This movement has spread all across Australia and is not just a club, but it is a movement. There are 20 plus different clubs all around Australia. And what it does is it gives for the first hour of the morning from 5.30 to 6.30, it gives young ambitious people, well, not just young people, but a power hour in the morning to do what matters for them. Ori is also currently starting a followers game or followers the board game. And in this wide ranging conversation, we're gonna go through, I guess, some of the best hacks, tools, and mindsets around community building. So welcome, Ori. Thank you, Liam. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm always honored to, to talk to you and especially about that topic that is close to my heart. So I'm excited for this. Pleasure. So I guess just at the start, Ori, I was just gonna start out by reading. I was having a look at the draft of your book and one paragraph really stuck out to me. And this was it. So quickly, we had 10 to 15 young people sitting in a cafe, sipping their almond cappuccino with a book in their hand or a laptop on their lap. I remember this moment when the cafe was full. I look across the room. My friend and I find eye contact. We smile and nod. We knew something funny had happened. Young people are often seen as lazy and game console addicts that watch and play until deep into the, how do you get a group of young people to actually pick up a book, not to mention that early, 5.30, and, and some travel 20 minutes just to get to the cafe. So Ori, I found this remarkable. And I guess just at the start, I'll just, I'm just curious how this inception of this movement started. Yeah, yeah. While you read this again, I actually, I realized that the view of those young people probably comes from my childhood. My parents always told me reading is really important and don't sleep until midday. And so I would wake up and be still 9am and my mom would come in and pull the blinds up. Mm-hmm. And so from a very young age, it was always be, be intentional with your morning, be intentional with your day and, and nurture your mind and read, et cetera, and grow. And whenever we would play PlayStation until 2am in the morning, my, my parents would freak out. And it's not how you're supposed to live your life. <laughs> And I think I took that mentality with me. And as you grow and you mature, you adapt certain mindsets. And I would always challenge, I would always struggle with the challenge to get up early and, and read, etc. And until you develop the desire so strongly that you just try to make one way to do that was to, I was living with Brendan at the time, another of the co-founders. And we said, hey, we find it so hard to read every day and get up early. Why don't we make a commitment to each other to meet in a cafe every morning and uh, just get our daily reading done? We just wanted to read our Bible and read our devotions and start the day as part of what we believe we want to do. And so we just met in the coffee, uh, yeah, met met in the cafe, grabbed the coffee and and started reading for an hour. And we did this for, for a couple of months. And it really helped us to build this consistency, to get clarity for the day, to keep each other accountable. And we just did it for ourselves. It was just a private habit that we knew would help us. And it created this momentum in us to be like, 
man, this is so helpful. Yeah, nothing that we've tried before works as well. Uh, you could try to read after work. Your brain has a certain certain capacity that is just not as strong at night anymore for us anyways. And after a while, it was too good not to share. And we had uh, Vani, the, the third co-founder that um, joined us because she wanted to get some studies done. And then it turned into more a, hey, everybody come, whoever wants to do something in the morning, you just choose that early morning time to focus on something that is important to you. For us, it was reading, for Vani it was studying. She started posting it on Instagram stories and then just local friends would, I don't know how you say it, but they would, it would get a bit of attention. And then because it was just a group of friends, they, they would start coming to the cafe early in the morning. And it was a cool thing. Oh, people growing themselves and people that are into self-development and all this mindfulness stuff. They just wanted to have part of the pie. And that's how it, that's how it started. Awesome. I loved when I was reading through and just hearing you tell the story. It feels like an accidental movement. And I heard yeah. you describe it like that. So how, when did it change from accidental to potentially ambitious and spreading across um, Australia? Was there like a moment for you or a time when you're like, huh, I think this could be more than just like a couple friends? Yeah, yeah. There were two, two, distinct, two distinct moments. When Vani started posting, obviously it would get a bit of traction and we would repost it on Instagram. And until that point, it was just a, just a habit, like a, a personal habit. And then we said, hey, it seems like a lot of people are interested into this. Most of the times you build something and then you put it into the market and you say, hey, here's something that you need. But in that instance, it was the market telling us or the people telling us, hey, you have something that we want. And so we're like, hey, it's too good to keep to ourselves. So let's, rather than people having to find out and then come, let's just say, hey, we're an inclusive community. Come if you want, invite them, say, come and see. It's something really cool. And, and that's how it would grow. And so it was intentional in our little local suburb. And then we had Marvin from Wollongong um, who reached out to some of our friends and said like, hey, I really like what you guys are doing. Can I do the same? And that's the first time really where the idea started of multi-locations and said, hey, we've done this here in Cronulla. It's super easy to start. It wasn't, it didn't require much planning. It's simply a couple of people rocking up at a cafe and reading a book. It's really not that hard. And we were like, Absolutely. We were like, here's everything we know. Here's some resources. We quickly created a website to have a bit of information. And then we just encouraged them to start and they did really well. And then other people from other suburbs were like, this is really cool. We want this as well. And this kind of, when it really started growing, when more and more clubs started popping up on the map. Awesome. I love the simplicity of how it just started to progress. And even with looking at your messaging, say with the habits that you implement and just like the acronyms and easy ways of remembering it. I'm curious, like, how did you get the messaging so simple? Because I guess that's a real, that's a real artwork. I was reading a, a lot of Donald Miller, Marketing Made Simple, <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my favorite books. And he always says, confusion kills and clarity sells. Mm. And I love acronyms and I love things that are easy to remember. And so it was probably mo mostly me that was really trying to get the messaging right and really trying to be intentional with what words we use. So I came up with a one-liner. I came up, you know, with like few value propositions, et cetera. And I tried to think, why do people like the 530 Club? Of course, there is um, the different personal elements that, that people enjoy. But what are things that, that everyone needs that really, you know, draws them to the club? And and in my opinion, it's those three C's, the clarity, the consistency, the community. Everyone wants to know 
what they want to do in life, how to get there. They want to have a vision in their lives. So they want clarity, but it's really hard to do if you don't have consistency in life and, and people love routine, people love structure. And of course, there's an element of the unknown and the adventure and, and breaking out of structure. But in general, I think we humans, we like things in order, etc. And especially building routine and momentum, consistency is, is extremely important. And then the third part is community. People need people and we are so much better together. And um, I think these three things, clarity, consistency, and community, were the, if you want, pillars on what the 530 Club was into. That was probably more like an internal value statement or how we wanted to describe it for ourselves. And then in terms of how we explain it to people, we say most people are time poor in their professional and personal goals. Like most people struggle to advance on that. They either distracted or they have too much on. And then by taking an hour every day, coming to the 530 club and focusing on something that you is important to you, you get the time back. And obviously you don't get more time, but you use the time more intentionally and you can advance in your personal and professional goals. And I think this really resonated with people. They made a lot of great friends. They actually moved forward in, in their goals. As some people started businesses, some people started projects together. And yeah, it'd be this really cool, close-knit, real people, real places, local community. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, with, with that, Ori, before all of this had happened, like how was your aspect of community before the 530 Club had actually happened? Did you feel like you were part of a community? Was there any, because it seems like you're a wealth, you're a very well connected and social person and nice to chat to. So I'm wondering yeah. if there was any time in your life where you're like, ah, I don't really feel like I have a community and potentially how you got out. Thanks for that. I think you're a very nice chat to person as well. <laughs> and why we are engaged in, in certain communities. I, I moved to Australia when I was 20. And so I didn't know anyone in Australia, but I knew get connected in communities as, as quickly as you can. And um, I instantly joined a local church, which was a huge um, bonus, not just for the faith aspect, but also for the, the whole community aspect. And churches in particular have a very inclusive and very, you know, welcoming community vibe. I also joined Toastmasters like a year in Australia, which really helped to get my confidence up in talking to people and also articulating ideas and thoughts, which also led to great, great friendships. So I would say these two communities definitely connected me in the local area. And then after a while, you just, you know, make friends, meet friends of friends and grow your local network. But church has always been part of my life. And I would say that the biggest aspect of, you know, a healthy community in my life. Awesome. So yeah, the move sort of catalyzed a lot of growth that I'm hearing from you. Like when you came over, then it's like the initiative to test out something new. Because I feel that, that moment can often be scary. It's like joining a new community. Like a community can sound like a big commitment at the start. So how have you also found, I saw there was a 530 club challenge yeah how have you found like increasing the engagement with challenges that you've done yeah it's it's quite interesting i find there's a big difference between offline and online communities online is you it's very hard to maintain personal touch the good thing is with clubs is that you actually see a person live face to face every single day. You're almost guaranteed to make friends because you're also in somewhat a vulnerable spot that's early in the morning and you don't let anyone close. And regarding the challenge, I think what, what really helped is that it was because people, you know, like to challenge themselves, they like to grow. And so to be to have something to do together, I think is really powerful when you're online because then you can cheer each other on. But to just be in an online community, I think would be tricky. Our mm -hmm. Facebook group has very little interaction because 
the, the real value is in real people, real places, and to be together and to keep each other accountable. We almost try to keep people away from the screens rather than spending more time on the screens. Mm. And so um, online definitely comes with unique challenges, but also with amazing opportunities because you are not limited by the, the boundaries of, of locality or travel or et cetera. So it's, I would say it's a bit of different focus, but yeah, both have advantages and disadvantages. Then I guess in terms of, so it's obviously a beautiful cause to get out there and create a community, but sometimes it can be quite tricky to monetize. So I don't know how you've thought of that, because if you're putting in, you have a full-time job and then you've got this awesome side project um, that started to kick off. How do you think about monetizing and the monetization aspect of community? Yeah, a great question and has often crossed our mind. My, my personal opinion in terms of the monetizing is the longer you can wait, the better. Don't try to monetize something too quickly and, and make sure that whatever you're building is something that you would do if you don't get paid for it. Especially with people, you need to do it because you, you, you love those people and because you love the, the community and the activity that, you are, that you're building. Don't build a massive following because you want to sell something to them. And the reason why is that you just get tired really quickly. We knew very early on that even if we don't get one follower, even if we don't sell one jumper, um, we would still do the 530 Club. The 530 Club is not so that we, you know, oh, look, they, they founded this club and uh, they have thousands of followers, etc. cetera. Um, even if Vani had never posted this thing, we would probably still do this because it's a personal habit that, that we said it's a lifestyle choice that we made. And so we, we jokingly often say like, it's a private habit that became a public opportunity. And with doing things publicly, obviously with, with traction and community comes opportunity of monetization. But I would prefer to, or I would encourage people to not go into the monetization too quickly because it's just a whole, yeah, do it for the people first. Yeah, if it requires a lot of time, and a lot of like actual work, be it email marketing and be it community building. And especially when things cost you as well, not just time, then it's totally, you know, acceptable to, to, to charge for it. Like we, we had some events where we had to charge because they cost, but yeah, it's a tricky subject. If you can make it for free, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be my opinion. I'm not a big fan of, of just like a monthly paid membership. If it's just about to be a member on something, you then need to be able to provide clear clear benefits etc it's not just I, I read something the other day i think the average american is part of 85 loyalty programs and so it's nothing special to be part of the group anymore so i think what is special is to be part of a group that actually cares about you and that actually wants you to advance and progress and grow and so if if your paid membership allows them to to grow more or brings them more value than just a free one then then that's great but either way you need to care about the people first uh, rather than your wallet if that makes sense mm-hmm. that makes sense um no, thanks Ori. and then i guess tying it in now you mentioned some of the tools are earlier that you were potentially using yeah. what tools yeah. have you found useful for bringing the 530 club to life mvp, <laughs> MVP. just guys as, as small as necessary, it's crazy. As creators, we think that our, our members or our people need the, the newest flashy software. The website still to this day is built on Google Sites. Okay. So the, the only thing that I pay is the domain, which is like I don't know, five bucks a year or so. And then the whole CRM system behind it was actually a church management software that was for free. And you can have your different locations. You can have your all your contacts. You can have your lead forms and you can have your, your workflows, et cetera, everything for free. So that saved us a, a heaps of time and money. 
and really helped us to, to keep an overview of the different clubs and where they are and the different leaders, et cetera. So we, we used that church management software. We used Google Sites. So both of them were free. Um, and now we have a MailChimp data list, uh, database that is still for free because it's like up to 2,000 contacts or so. So yeah, we haven't paid a cent. And even the merch store is a print-on-demand. So that doesn't cost us a cent. These tools were all fantastic to to provide value and information to people when they were looking for it. But yeah, we, we didn't spend any money on expensive software early up because we didn't need to. Yeah. Still, we were still able to provide the value without buying the highest tier on active campaign if, mm-hmm. or some other flashy website builder. Not spending $12,000 on Facebook ads. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Now, I think the only ad spend that we had was like 50 bucks for, for the challenge uh, instant boost. And that really? didn't even work yeah. that well. Yeah. So then I guess now, now I'm thinking about tying it back to some of the core values that you identified yeah. within the 530 Club. And one of the ones that I saw were your three, I guess your three Fs and then your three Cs. How did you develop, like, how did you gain a lot of clarity? Because I see a lot of companies and organizations, they say they have values, but I don't really feel they actually mirror the values that the company embodies. So how yeah, did you... Yeah. Was there a process that you went through of identifying it, questions you asked yourself? Yeah, I think it was a rather long process of constantly meditating or chewing on what you think. Mm -hmm. I would say the two main questions would be, what do you think is the value that you provide for people? And I think it's, it's clarity, consistency, community. I think that's the value that we actually give them. And then what's the outcome that they get is, is they get more focus, they get fulfillment from, you know, having the power hour. And they get friendship, they get great community, they get people around them. And so obviously it's easy to remember, it's the same letters, et cetera, but it's more asking yourself, um, what's the value that I provide and what's the outcome that they get? Mm. And uh, yeah, so we just made it easy to remember. But it's really asking you like, how do I want to serve them? And mm-hmm. if it, is what I'm doing actually helping them? And we had we had many moments where we were close to closing the club because we had... Really? We had flood that we had the bushfires we had the pandemic you know we're just coming out of the second pandemic wave but we always knew and from all the stories that we've heard it actually helps people and it helps us and so it's not worth throwing the towel because it's yeah it's something great that helps people yeah during that time of the pandemic how did you how did you keep going throughout that like flood then pandemic then were there strategies that you used on social media with engaging with people? Did you keep messaging and keeping those relationships up? How did you keep the club alive? Yeah, it was, in hindsight, it was a blessing in disguise because it forced us to, or it didn't force us, but we said, hey, we have to come up with something. So the first wave went for six weeks, I think, until we were able to go back into cafes. We just jumped online and we did an Insta live for the, like the first 15 minutes and just from home every day, we talk about a certain subject relating to the 530 Club. We would try to interview friends and people from other clubs and personalities that we thought would be useful for the community. And, and the good thing is it gave us access to a lot more people um, that didn't have a local club and which then also encouraged a lot more people to actually start their, their own local club. Because before that, it was all like word of mouth and hearing from other people. But then once we were on Instagram, it just really scaled the reach on Instagram life. It scaled the reach on people having access to the club experience. So that was definitely a, a helpful move in terms of growth to do the Insta lives in the morning. Mm, okay, cool. And 
I guess you kept consistent with that as well, right? Like consistency seems to be a theme, like even with the morning, with Instagram lives. And one thing that I'm interested in, Ori, as well, is like, where do you see it going now? Do you see it going beyond Australia? Like I had a friend, for example, who I guess he found out about the 530 Club. Kyle, he was in the constant student community. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I really want one in Zimbabwe. He was trying to like think about how he could set one up. So that then he, he spoke to the concert students like on Zoom at 5.30 in the morning because he wanted to get up. So I think yeah. there's, yeah, there's not just a demand in Australia. I'm sure there's a demand globally. So I don't know if yeah. you looked into that. Yeah, it definitely has crossed my mind in, in terms of how much effort do we want to put into this as well. What I've noticed is you need leaders who change their lifestyle to, to adapt this into their everyday life. It's, it's very attractive to be like, oh, I want to do this for a month and as a challenge to prove themselves that they can do it. But this just does not work with the consistency aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you need someone that likes the local area or loves the people in the local area and, and wants to help them um, establish healthy habits. And so if you have someone that does it for a month in, in a suburb and then doesn't want to do it anymore because they did it to grow something or to start something, mm. then it becomes very difficult. So I find from a very early point, the intention was always to let's, let's just see what happens and grow it organically because mm-hmm. we want people that come to clubs to actually, you know, be able to clubs, but certainly open to grow it internationally. I had a few of my brothers were like, hey, this is really cool. You should try it in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not easy. It's, it's challenging to get up every morning and have your power hour and mm-hmm. then also encourage people to, to join you. So it's, I would say it's more a personal choice for people rather than us trying to, to grow a huge movie because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather uh, help five people than not help 50 people, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes sense. And it's also the quality of the help, eh? It's not just, yeah. yeah. That's, and then I guess now you've got all the different organizational, like, leaders or, or you've got the leaders of the club so there's there's 20 plus i'm not sure the exact number but 20 plus clubs how do you keep your eyes on all of them and make sure that the value is the values and the brand stay consistent with your values yeah yeah so one thing that and and obviously now with the pandemic we've received a big hit in terms of consistency and other clubs and after a while people move to different places and so you leaders get replaced etc so we're really getting out of the pandemic now and trying to grow those clubs again but one thing especially if people want to start their own communities is make it really simple and so what we did we created a landing page for leaders where we created a, a booklet and, and explained it to them how they can grow their club and best practices ideas etc basically to, to make it as easy as possible for them. A simple three-step plan. And we put them in a WhatsApp group and we would do like a, a monthly Zoom call with all the leaders just to encourage each other and, you know, cheer each other on. But I think the reason that so many people filled out the start your own club form, it was really accessible and really easy. It's It doesn't have to be a complicated system. It doesn't have to be a 10-step uh, workflow that you guide people through. Let's make it really easy, connect with them, encourage them and um, check in with them. So... Do you go through an interview? So after they've filled out the start your own, do you go through just like a brief like interview with them to see where they're at personally to find out where they are a match? Because like I said, they do it for a month and then they just leave to go to the Amazon or wherever they they go. Like how do you um yeah, how do you see their intention? Do you if people if someone wants to set it up for a week, sort of do yeah. you allow them to just set it up for a week and then 
potentially go or is there a certain commitment they have to follow for given the fact that it's a volunteer thing and there are not necessarily rules or boundaries in place that we can control anyone can go to any cafe and invite people that's nothing new but so we have the the simple form where you can you know fill in you can fill it online and it's you know who, who you are how you heard about the club and where you would like to start one okay. and then here we, we get in touch with them and we try to figure out are we a good fit for each other? It's not do they fit into the 530 club movement, but it's are they, can we support them? And do they, are we on the same page? Sometimes we had people that they would see it more as a business venture and like to grow the, the business network. Mm. Like it's, I, I understand why this might be useful, but we are really a, a different type of community. We're not trying to, to grow our, our business network necessarily. Yeah, we're just trying to, to suss out the, the people and then because we can't tell them, hey, you can't do it. Mm. but we would encourage them to do it with a certain intention and then usually that's when people filter out anyway some are like oh it's not what i thought it is or some are like i love it you know i want to build a local community i want to help people with self-improvements and, mm. and better habits to this stuff and we're like sweet okay what we then usually say give it a try for a month or do it yourself for a couple of weeks to see if you actually want to commit to this and then we go into the start your own instagram page and start inviting people and tagging etc but yeah definitely get in touch with those people Awesome. Is there like a community leader that sort of stands out for you that you've had, I guess, across the 20 different club areas, like their characteristics, the way they've grown it, like something that's just really worked quickly for them? I don't know. I'm curious about the 80-20 of, of the 530 club. Yeah, I would say Wollongong, like Marvin has definitely been a huge help in terms of in terms of growth. Very, very charismatic, outgoing, not shy to invite anyone, extroverted people. They obviously for, for any type of movement or any type of persuasion, they are usually you know, the kind of help people jump on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. uh, Lauren Sutton from Bondi was um, an absolute gun. Like she was fantastic and would get Bondi, the, the Bondi club just, you know, bursting out of each corner and they're, they're two, two people that, that come to mind. And, and then we had some people, I guess they were, they were less out there, but they, they were more consistent like mm -hmm. as individuals and like Marvin and Lauren were super consistent as well, but in, in nature, they would be less, less loud, etc. cetera. They would, they would always be there. And it's, I guess it's just different type of people, but mm. uh, from memory, really some big drivers. Mm -hmm. Oh, and actually Kangaroo Point. Oh, that's embarrassing. I forgot her name now. <laughs> I cut this part. I'll never show her. I'll tag. I'll tag her Instagram profile down below. Just because I'm also. I guess at the beginning when we were chatting before the the podcast started recording, or you mentioned how when you approach someone with the conversation, I just thought you just had a really casual approach to it, and I'd just like yeah. you to talk about how you incentivize someone to come along to your club. Yeah. Yeah. For. What was important to me is always that I'm not trying to sell something to people. I, I know that it's valuable to them and they, and often they want to do it, but they struggle to, to get to it because everyone wants to be more productive and you have more consistency in their life, et cetera. But what we would just say is, Hey, come and see, come and see for yourself. And you don't have to commit to it, to do it for six months. Just come tomorrow and I shop you a coffee. So that was a really easy way to invite people. Mm. Um, and, and also to encourage them to say, Hey, we don't want anything from you, but we want something for you. And so if you want the two, come and see. And, and I hope this just showed our hearts that we don't trying to get a membership fee from them. Mm. And, and whatever we could offer them for free, we would uh, offer them for free. And uh, I think it got received quite well, yeah. Mm. But yeah, come and see. And we want nothing from you, but we want a lot for you. 
I love that. Yeah, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And okay, so I guess just to sum it up, the one thing that I did write down as well is you don't start a movement, you start a move. And then the moment someone joins, you have a movement. So I guess that's from like the journey that you've been on that sort of like sums up a lot of it. And I, I just wanted to, yeah, I was, I was just reading. And when I was going through, you had an area on ownership which I yeah. found really interesting. So I don't know if, if you remember it, but what are your thoughts on ownership? I would say like it probably moves into the area of leadership now and who are you as a leader and, and you know, pushing a movement, et cetera. I think when you position yourself as a servant to the people that you're there to, you know, help them rather than uh, be served by your members or by your people, mm-hmm. you realize that you don't own any of them. And so you have to take ownership of, of your actions and, and your service and what you can do. And your job is to be a blessing to the people around, if not to take as much as possible from them and gain all your riches from your members. But it's, hey, how can I'm, I have a responsibility as the leader of, of the movement to move them into an area or move them um, to a place that is better for them than where they were before. I, because I was in, in a lot of ways, I thought about the messaging and I, I did the website. Uh, so I was very consumed with the different language and stuff that we use. And, but I found as, as soon as we had more people on board and as soon as the core team got bigger as well, I was like, hey, I have to give my pride a bit away mm-hmm. and, and say, hey, I don't own this thing. And it, it's the people that own it. And it's the people's movement. It's not my movement. It's, it's the people that make the movement. And we might have initiated in a certain way and we might have been the catalyst to start something but I'm not the 530 club founder. You are the 530 club founder. The, the, the person that comes to the club is the 530 club founder. Mm. And um, yeah, I thought it, it just helped me to hopefully stay humble <laughs> and yeah, not, yeah, not swallowing pride, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Pride. yeah, I feel that it can often be like an ego or human tendency to want yeah. to go. Even if someone, I've noticed that say sometimes even with an idea, like I'll hear a cool idea from a friend and then I, I think I have an original idea, then a friend will move it around or something. Then I'll be like, huh, I'm taking ownership of that idea, even though yeah. it's, it wasn't even mine to mm-hmm. begin with. Just when you were talking about it, just made me feel like a lot of the pressure also just drops when you're trying to yeah. take ownership. So it's like the pride, but also the pressure goes simultaneously. So I guess now on a little bit of a side tangent to you and you, and I guess exciting project coming up is the followers game and what, yeah, what led you to that? The, do you want me to tell the story about the game? Yeah, just, just, just a little bit. Cause the reason why yeah. I bring it up in the community podcast, people may be thinking like, oh, Liam, why are you talking about, why are you talking about a board game? But mm-hmm. I remember in Yanga, say this is a, a part of Zimbabwe where I was from like around family, like during holidays, like some of the best times are like playing with like yeah. friends or like even yeah. on pause. So I think board games can have a massive role to play in community itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah because obviously the, the different areas to creating product there was the whole idea and developing the product etc but one one reason why i thought a, a board game is, is cool is two reasons the board game is about the social media theme and the goal is to get to a million followers and it's a bit of making joke on on social media topics but one one reason why the game is great is because it, it shows people that social media is not everything and that they take social media too serious sometimes. So we try to exaggerate mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But also, especially after the pandemic, it brings people back around the table rather than gluing them to the screens. 
And so it's hopefully it's like a win-win where people can take it a bit light on themselves with the whole social media attention and mm. you know, facing information and comments from people and also sit around the table and, and having a good time and, and laughing together. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess that's where the community aspect is beneficial awesome. as well. Awesome. And then I'm curious with the tools that you've developed. I was thankful when you started to send me some of the, the designs and I saw yeah. on your LinkedIn profile, you said you're a Figma specialist or learning to become a... Currently obsessed with Figma. <laughs> yeah. So how has Figma been useful to you as a tool for those who are learning just for designing and messaging? Figma was immensely helpful to conceptualize ideas and communicate ideas visually. But then also it's a full-on design tool. So you, you don't only have, have the concept, but you actually build uh, the designs on Figma as well. So I, I was lucky that I was introduced into Figma through, through work and some different website projects that I, that I was working on. And then in order to conceptualize the game, I started sketching up stuff in Figma. And then I just ended up being the person that designed the game as well. <laughs> And then we had a graphic designer that was mostly doing the, the print ready stuff, like making it ready for, but like the, the whole design process was, uh, was fantastic to do in Figma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super helpful, easy to do. Awesome. Yeah. Great uh, software. And it's yeah. free as well. Yeah, no, I'm testing it out for the new website for this. It's been super yeah. useful. And it's useful seeing one thing that I, I noticed with, with you and even with Joe that I'm working with, Joe, I'm working with is like how often and how readily you ask for feedback. Like, I feel like you're very good at just getting the MVP out and just getting feedback straight away. I don't know, has that always been the case or how did your thinking sort of evolve? Yeah, I think it's taken me a long time, but by nature, I want, I never want to present something until I believe it's perfect. You can never make it perfect unless you, what is perfect. And mm. only people that see the different stages can actually tell you where to go in, in some respect, but I'm more and more becoming a big fan of MVP because you might build something that is a fully finished product, but then you completely ignored feedback that you should have received on, on stage two or stage three. Mm. So feedback is so important and it also helps you to, yeah, just lessen your ego and just invite other people's feedback and their comments and if someone says something bad about your product, so be it. It's fine. Mm. And, uh, you know, just take the helpful things that you can hear or that you can, you know, that people tell you and, and go with that. But yeah, definitely not. It's, I don't think it's, it's in anyone by nature. People want to present good work and people want to do things perfect. But yeah, we need to present imperfect work to develop perfect work. Uh, work. And then... Who would you say, Ori, out of the people that you've seen building community, I don't know if you studied other communities whilst you're building the 530 Club, who to you has been one of the best, I guess the best community builders that you've seen as, yeah, bringing people around them? Yeah, obviously coming from a church background, my, my mm -hmm. pastor, James Murray, is a fantastic community builder. And a lot of things that I've, I've learned in community building, I would have copied from him. The way he leads his team, the way he the way he speaks to people, uh, invites people, and, and, and shares things with people. And then from a on a more personal level, or like a more more close up level, I'd say Brenton, one of the co-founders, extremely well communicator with people. Yeah, it's really good storyteller, draws people in, and always thinks about people. So it's always, man, how can how can they be better? And how can we bring them together? How can we bless them? And yeah, definitely. It needs people with a good heart to build community. 
because mm -hmm. there's, a, there's another good saying. I think that was more about like teaching people, but people don't care how much until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. so people will flock around you if they know that you care about them. It's, it's relationship and it's trust and often it takes time. What and, do you think uh, builds that care or that familiarity? Do you think it's an energy that people present to you or do you think it's like the daily consistent? What do you think when people are around Brent or say around you with the 530 Club, what do you think gives them that feeling of say with your pastor, like, we know yeah. he cares. Um. I guess genuine interest. Be interested before you're interesting. Asking people questions, ask them about their life, connecting with them, taking time with them, listening to them. And again, it takes effort and it takes time. And to see the individual person and not a, a number in your CRM system is very important. And mm -hmm. again, you rather want to serve five people than know 50 people. Mm -hmm. And you rather want to have five friends than 50 acquaintances. And I think your yeah, personal connection is, is so much more valuable than having a huge network. It, it has its different place, but if you want to build a meaningful movement or meaningful community, then it's probably almost better to not focus on the movement, but focus on the person. And then if it's something healthy, things grow. Mm. And you know, if, if it carries a name, then the, then the name will be carried, carried along. Mm. Yeah. I think it's more more hard I've got a few quotes to write down after this, Ori. You've given me a couple. When it's healthy, things grow, you know? Yeah, it's true. And I guess with that, how do you define community? What does community mean to you? How do you define it? Yeah. So I would say community is, is a group of people that struggle and succeed together by going into the same direction like it, it usually surrounds a certain thing mm -hmm. yeah there's like church community surrounds itself around faith the the 530 club community surrounds itself around productivity and the early hour in the morning and self-improvement and it every community usually has a vibe but within within that 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 focus you have people that that struggle and succeed together and yeah, i would say it's a yeah, supportive group of people that that struggles and succeeds together around a common theme mm -hmm. my, yeah, my that's, yeah that's the no thanks for sharing it because i've noticed so far with all the different episodes everyone's had a different definition of community oh, yeah. and no yeah. one's used like the english say like the oxford dictionary version of community either. yeah so it's like yeah. but it's amazing to see then you start to see the commonalities okay. so that's i guess one of the final questions i guess before we we wrap up the episode. I know it was your girlfriend's, was it, am I correct? Your girlfriend's birthday today? It is um, correct. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, but I guess before we jump off, what do you, where do you want people to check you out? I know there's the 530 podcast, which I can link down below after this. Yeah. Is there anywhere else you would like people to give you a follow or see what's, see what's up? Oh, you can certainly give me a follow if you care. I won't. I, I care about the people that they care about me. If you want to know more, yeah, at the 530 Club is probably a, a good place place to start. Look out for the game. This is the my, my fun project at the moment. So let's mm -hmm. add um, followers the game. There's nothing on there yet, but this coming soon. And otherwise, my name, uh, Aurelian Sheepley, uh, is, is my handle. But otherwise, yeah. Awesome. Focus more on, focus more on the things that, um, you know, serve you. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, yeah, hopefully quite content. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Ori. And I'm definitely going to bring out the followers game. I definitely want to get it from my sister for, for Christmas. So I look forward to when it comes out, if it does come out by then. But sure. Thanks Let's so much, man.
And thank you so much for listening.